We'll begin with verse number 4, Matthew chapter 8. We'll begin with verse 7. One thing that I've learned about long-winded preachers is they make you appreciate short-winded preachers. I got plenty of time tonight. I will not keep you as long as others may have kept us. But I will deliver what I feel the Lord wants for our church and for someone here tonight. Look at Mark chapter 6 verse 4. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house. And he could there do no mighty work save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. Watch this. And he marveled. Somebody say marveled. Because of their unbelief. And he went round about the villages teaching. Matthew chapter 8, beginning with verse 7. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, Go, and he goeth. And to another, Come, and he cometh. And to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled. Somebody say marveled. And said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. I want to preach for a little while tonight on the subject, When the Master Marvels. When the Master Marvels. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for the work of the Spirit. We thank you for the ministry of the Holy Ghost. I pray, Lord, that your word and your spirit would have free course and liberty to work as you will. Let the power of your spirit minister to someone's soul. We give you glory and praise. Can we clap our hands unto the Lord one more time? Hallelujah. Lord, bless you as you're being seated in the presence of the Lord. It's not uncommon for people to be left in wonder and to be left in amazement throughout life. There was a day when postcards were very popular. This was before social media, before cell phones and, and all of the other things that have replaced uh, postcards. But postcards used to be more common in days gone by as travelers would uh, send friends and family a picture of something that they had visited uh, on their particular trip. And it would usually uh, include that the cover of that, of that postcard would leave someone breathless. It, it would be maybe a waterfall or a sunset. It would be a portrait of nature or it would be something that uh, a landmark that, that someone would want to see. Beyond the borders of this nation lies the seven wonders of the world. They are the Taj Mahal in India, the Colosseum in Italy, 
the Chichen Itza in Mexico, the Macu Picu in Peru, Christ the Redeemer in Brazil, Petra in Jordan, and the Great Wall of China. The feeling that someone would get when observing these sites, whether God made them or man made them, left people in wonder and left them in amazement. One could say they marveled. The word marvel means left in wonder, left in amazement or in awe. And while I've been speaking, perhaps you walked down memory lane and considered times in your own life, whether it be a vacation or an instance in your life where you scratched your head and you marveled. I've marveled at times at how smart someone was. And I've also marveled at how ignorant someone was. Years ago, a guy that I worked with went to Burger King, and they had had been running a promotion on the bacon cheddar cheeseburger. That was their big deal. You know how they swap out? You know, it's all the same food. They just kind of arrange it differently and, and advertise it. And so they were running an advertisement on the bacon cheddar burger. And so my buddy ordered the bacon cheddar burger. And then I'm not making this up. This is what the lady said. She said, well, we're no longer running that promotion. And he said, okay, I want a cheeseburger. She said, you want bacon on it. That's one of those where you just, you just marvel at, really, God made you. I, you know what else causes me to marvel? And I'm not talking about anybody in this building, so don't know, nobody walk out of here saying he's picking on anybody, because I'm not. I'm not. Older people and cell phones. I'm not talking about anybody here, but I, I got a story I'm fixing to tell you, okay? In fact, I just, when I was in Branson, they have this show called Six. It's those six guys that, that make the music with their voices. And, and, you know, they start the show, No Kids in the Aisle, and they, they do all these precautionary things, and it, and it said, uh, please silence all cell phones. And then it said, if you don't know how to do it, ask the nearest millennial sitting next to you. I thought that's the truth. But, but when cell phones first came out, they were not cell phones, rather, iPhones. iPhones first came out, you know, they were a whole lot smaller than this right here. The first iPhone was probably... Uh, two-thirds of this size. And uh, I, I was on the platform at one church. And I'm standing over on this side where the, chair, the chairs were on this side. And I'm just scanning the, the congregation, just looking around and worshiping the Lord and looking around. And, and, and I'm not exaggerating, okay? This is, you, you had to have been there. An older lady got one of the iPhones and was trying to take a picture. And she thought that this was the viewfinder. So I look out and all I see is a big old eyeball on that screen. 
And she couldn't figure out why she couldn't see through the viewfinder to take a picture. And I lost it. I marveled. This lady got an iPhone. It gives a new meaning to the word iPhone. Big old eyeball sitting out there in the congregation. I marvel at, at things. I, I remember one time we, you know, marveling doesn't necessarily mean that you marvel at good things. You marvel at bad things. I remember we went on a vacation when, when I was a teenager and there was all these signs advertising Ruby Falls. Anybody ever heard of Ruby Falls? And I mean, it was the go-to place. You got to go to Ruby Falls, and so I'm pumped up because I'm looking at the, I'm looking at all the billboards, and I'm, we're going to Ruby Falls. So we wander through this cave that wasn't designed for big people, and we we barely, me and my brothers, all my my my, my older brothers, he's six two, weighed about three hundred pounds. He didn't weigh that much back then. My younger brother's about 6'1", 6'2". My dad's tall. We're all big people, and we're winding. And I, and I mean, the whole time I'm walking, I'm thinking, well, all right, Ruby Falls, Ruby Falls. And we got to the end where you made a circle around the fall, and it, it was a light show, all these lights going. And it was a little trickle coming out. To, 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 to. There was no rain. hadn't been raining. And I thought, that's it? We did this whole big old deal. These people made some money. And it, I could have got more when I turned on a water hose and just did my flashlight like this. I marvel. In searching the, the scriptures, I find various instances where men marvel. This would be easy for us to comprehend because as humans, we marvel at each other, much less a God that we can't understand. When Jesus rebuked the wind and the storm ceased in Matthew 8, 27, it says, but the men marveled, saying, what manner of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? When Jesus healed the man sick of the palsy, Matthew 9 and 8, but when the multitude saw it, they marveled, and they glorified God, which had given such power unto men. On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Ghost was poured out, Bible says in Acts 2 and 7, they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we ever man in our own tongue wherein we were born? So men marveled time and time and time again when God would work in the lives of people. It would leave men in amazement. But I want to go beyond the realm of humanity because the Bible says that angels even marvel. It doesn't use the word marvel, but it says which things the angels desire to look into. Do you realize that angels have never experienced what we've experienced? Angels have never experienced the forgiveness of sins and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And they're looking in on this service tonight. And they're scratching their heads. And they're saying, I wonder what it's like to be able to feel what they're feeling. I wonder what it's like to be able to move in the avenue that they're moving in. Oh, my friend, we ought to give the angels a show tonight. We ought to give them something to look at. They ought to look at us and say, my goodness, I wish I could be there. Let's clap our hands and magnify the Lord. 
Oh, hallelujah. It's expected that men could marvel. It's understandable that angels would marvel. But I want to step into another realm tonight and dig a little, little deeper into someone that we would never think would marvel. What do we do when the master marvels? The one who made everything. The one who knows all the answers. The one that's never caught off guard. But yet we find only two instances in Scripture. Only two. I've looked. I've searched marvel every way you could spell it, every way you could pluralize it. Only two times in Scripture do we find where Jesus marveled. The word marvel doesn't have any boundaries. It's not limited to being left in awe by that which is good because you can be left in awe by that which is bad. Disappointment is another way of describing a person who marvels due to a less than stellar experience. Putting the church in context, we must understand that God expects more out of his church and his people than he does those in the world. All right? It's not expected of sinners to do right. It's not expected of sinners to walk holy. But it's expected of those which have been blood-bought and redeemed by the power of the Lamb to walk in a greater dimension of authority, to walk in a greater dimension of faith. It's expected of us to walk in a manner that is pleasing unto the Lord. So I find two instances in the Word of God, beginning with Mark chapter 6. Jesus, the Bible says, began to teach in his own country. And here were the people that watched Jesus grow up since he was a kid. They, 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 they watched him play in Joseph's workshop. They watched him play with all of their, their sons and their daughters. But now he begins to move in another dimension in his life. And he begins to teach. And so it raised questions in their mind and they began to voice them. Who, who is he to tell us this? Where did he get all of this wisdom? Isn't this the carpenter's son? He's just, he's just Joseph's boy. Isn't this the, and the Bible says they were offended because Jesus began to preach. Jesus began to share the wisdom of God because he was God. We'll just pause right here and say this. Don't be surprised when people try to pigeonhole you because people have a hard time seeing you as anything than that which you've always been. They didn't want to see Jesus as he really was. They didn't want to see him as God Almighty. They're still looking for uh, the Messiah because they didn't want to see Jesus as he was. They wanted to keep seeing him as the carpenter's son. 
They wanted to keep seeing him. Hey, that's just Mary and Joseph's boy. Anytime you start striving to move in a greater dimension, there's always going to be people that want to limit you. And you've got to make up in your mind, either I'm going to live in the realm that I've always lived, or I'm going to ignore what people say, and I'm going to make my way closer to Jesus. I don't care what my friends think. I don't care what my husband or my wife thinks. I care what Jesus thinks. There are people, there are people that feel the tug of God on their heart. There are people that have sat in services and they know that God is trying to pull them closer. They know that the Holy Ghost is working in their heart and the only thing holding them back is they're worried what people are going to think about them. They're worried about what their the family's going to say. They're, they're, they're worried about what their friends are going to think. But you know what? If you want to make it to heaven, you've got to keep in your mind. Your friends aren't standing at the judgment seat with you, but you're standing there by yourself. So if i got to stand there by myself, I'm going to stand at an altar by myself. I'm going to let God fill me with the Holy Ghost. I'm going to leave change by the power of God. See, you, 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 you got to think about this. There are things, this is what Paul said. Paul said, hey, yeah, I was a bad guy. I did things, and I'm paraphrasing, I did things that I shouldn't have done, but I did it ignorantly. Ignorantly. Meaning, I was living over here not knowing that there was this over here. I lived it in ignorance. Not that he was stupid. He was saying, I, I wasn't knowledgeable of this revelation. All right? But once revelation came into his mind, he was responsible for it. And once revelation comes into your spirit about repentance of my sins, baptized in Jesus' name, in filling the Holy Ghost. There may be, you may have lived in the world for 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, and never knew anything about it, and you were living in ignorance. But at the moment revelation comes into your heart, then you're responsible for that revelation. And you've got to make up in your mind, am I going to discard this and act like I never knew about it, or I'm going to heed this revelation and respond to the revelation that God gave me? Don't be held captive by the opinions of people. Don't live your life bound by what somebody's going to say or somebody's going to think. Jesus, this is Jesus, okay? Now, if they did it to Jesus, what makes you think people aren't going to do it to you? If they did it to the only perfect person that ever walked on the earth, he was perfect. If they treated him like that, then it ought to be understood that we get treated in that same manner. Look what happened with Joseph and his brothers. All Joseph did was say, hey, guys, I had this weird dream last night. I dreamed that the sun, the moon, and the stars had all paid, paid homage to me. What? He said, let me tell you about this other dream. I was dreaming I was out in the field, and all the sheaves bowed down to me. What? And instantly, they got offended, and they hated him. Now, Joseph had no clue what it meant. He just knew, hey, something weird happened to me, and I just want to tell you about it. They got offended. Usually when people get offended at your progress, they're actually convicted at the lack of theirs. 
When they start seeing you try to get closer to God, they'll act offended, but they're really convicted that they're still stuck where they're at and you're trying to get closer to God. You've got to make up in your mind. I don't care what anybody thinks. I don't care what anybody says. The only thing that I want is I want to get closer to Jesus than I've ever been before. I want to walk in a realm that I've never walked before. I want to live in a realm I've never lived before. Clap your hands under the Lord. So watch this. He could there do no mighty work save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. Here the creator is watching his creation. And the Bible says, and he marveled. Marveled. Let me just use my imagination. If I'm God, I'm telling you what I think. It's probably a good thing I'm not God. How in the world did what I make get so far from who I am? How did this happen? I started with nothing, and I created them. And now the very thing that I created to reflect my image wants nothing to do with who I am. And the Bible says he marveled at their unbelief. So he marvels. He marveled at their lack of faith. If they only knew what I could do in their life. If they only knew that I was the answer to all of their problems. If they only knew that I could take that heartache and I could turn it all around. If they only knew that I could break the chains that have hindered them and have kept them captive. Yet he marveled at their lack of faith. But now we got to jump to Matthew chapter 8. Because here's a centurion who comes to Jesus and said, My servant is at home sick and being tormented. And Jesus said... I will come and heal him. The guy didn't ask for Jesus to come. Jesus just said, I'm coming. And here this man, he said, oh, no. No, 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 no. You don't understand. I'm a man of great authority. I tell somebody to do it, they do it. I tell them to go, and they go. I'm not worthy of you coming to my house. And he said, speak the word only. And we got people that don't think they can get a miracle unless that preacher touches them. We got people that if you don't work them over, they don't think that they've been to church. Here was a man that said, I don't even need you to come to my house. And this is Jesus. He said, I don't, God, I don't even need you to come to my house. You speak the word. Watch what Jesus said. He said, when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great a faith no, not in Israel. Jesus was in awe at this man who turned down a personal visit. And he, he said, only speak the word. My question I'm going to ask you tonight, Wallace Ridge, is which way will the master marvel at you tonight? Will he marvel at your lack of faith? 
or will he marvel at how strong your faith is? One way or another, he's going to marvel. As for me tonight, I want him to look at Tyler Stevenson and say, look, he's got faith. He believes that I can do it. He believes that I can heal. He believes that I can deliver. He believes that I can make a way when there is no way. I don't know what you're facing, but you need to tell the devil that he's a liar and he's the father of it. And you need to hold on to a word from God that says he will make a way. Oh, clap your hands and worship the Lord. Why are we so quick to believe a word from the enemy? And so slow to believe a word from the Lord. You let a negative thought come into our mind, boom, we take the bait. Just like that. Just like that. We're more prone to believe the negative than we are to believe the the positive. But don't you understand that Scripture says that Satan is the father of lies? He can't tell the truth. Bible says that the truth is not in him. He does not have the ability to speak truth. Everything that comes out of his mouth is a lie. But Jesus is truth. You can't separate truth and Jesus. Everything that he says is the truth. It's time for someone to believe with me tonight that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you're looking at your mountain and you're trying to figure out how that mountain is going to remove itself. I tell you how. You're going to believe the word of the Lord. You're going to lay claim to the word from God. And God's going to work it out. God's going to work it out. Stand with me right now. I've come tonight to dispel every negative thought in your mind. I've come tonight to bind the lies that have been messing with your mind because you're looking at your impossibility instead of the God of your impossibility. Which way will the master marvel at you tonight? Is he going to look at you and say, after all I've done for you and you're doubting me? After every time I healed and I provided and you're questioning whether or not I'm going to do it again? Or is he going to look at you when you make your way to an altar and he's going to say, you know what? They take me at my word. I don't even have to touch them because I'm a way maker. Bible says that Jesus had to go through Samaria. Now, you can't just read that and gloss over it because the Jews did not mingle with Samaritans. It was taboo. So when Jesus said, it must needs be for me to go through Samaria, he was breaking every ethical code that they had in that day. Notice, it was an ethical code. It wasn't a law. It wasn't wasn't that something God instituted because God couldn't violate his own law. And he came to this well, and while his disciples went to go get something to eat, here was a woman who lived in shame and embarrassment. And Jesus just said, give me something to drink. She began to talk, and what what are you doing? What what are you doing messing with a Samaritan? We don't have any, any dealings with each other. This is what Jesus said. If thou knewest the gift of God, 
and who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink. Thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Jesus is looking at this woman. This is my words. Woman, if you only knew who I was, if you only knew what I want to do in your life, you've been living in shame. In fact, he called her out on it. He said, you've been married five times and the man you're with is not even your husband. If you knew what would happen if you just responded. You see, here's where we get hung up is we base our response off of our knowledge right now instead of what we don't see. If you knew that if you made a trip to an altar, God could forgive you of your sins and fill you with the Holy Ghost and it would be the best thing that ever happened to you. And you could see on the other side of the miracle, you wouldn't wait to an altar service to be at an altar. If you knew that if you moved to an altar and gave everything to God, that God would fix all of your situations in a, in a few days, in a few weeks, you wouldn't wait to get to an altar. The problem is, is our response is dictated by our current knowledge. And God's looking at us saying, if y'all only knew, Wallace Ridge, what I want to do in your life. If you only knew what I want to do in your church. Last week, I'm going to share this testimony real quick, Sister Sister Tana, if you don't mind, I'm going to paraphrase the, the testimony. She told me to, to tell the testimony. Last week, and, and without, without getting a bunch of details, they had an urgent situation that was going to affect their income, and it looked like a huge roadblock that the, that the doctors would not sign some things and stuff. And so she brought a packet of papers. Last Tuesday night, we anointed them with oil, and we prayed that God would begin to work out the miracle. The very next morning at 6.50 in the morning, she got a phone call from the nurse at the doctor's office and found the papers that they needed to push through what needed to be pushed through. That was no accident. I believe in a God who is a miracle working God. Come on, Wallace Reed, you got to believe with me tonight that God knows where you're at. God knows where you're at. He's a way maker. He's a way maker. As we're standing all over this building, here's what I want us to do. If you need a miracle from the Lord, you need a miracle from God. I'm not talking about I could use a hamburger tonight for after supper. I'm talking about I need a miracle from God. And if it's going to happen, only God's going to do it. And you've got faith. You've got faith to take God at his word. I want you to come stand across the front of this altar. If you need a miracle from God, if you don't and everything's fine right now, that's fine. This is only for people right now that need a miracle from the Lord. You need a miracle from God. That's it. Just come line up. Just come line up across the front. God's going to do it. God's going to do it. God, we're not trying to tell you. We're not going to try to tell you how. God, we're trying.